in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Cleanse my heart and my lips, Almighty God, that I may proclaim your gospel worthily. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. In the fifteenth year of Tiberius Caesar's reign, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, Herod Tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip Tetrarch of the lands of Eruthia and Draconitis, Lysanias Tetrarch of Abilene, during the pontificate of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He went through the whole Jordan district, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, as it is written in the book of the sayings of the prophet Isaiah. A voice cries in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley will be filled in, every mountain and hill will be laid low. Winding ways will be straightened, rough roads made smooth, and all mankind shall see the salvation of God. The Gospel of the Lord Pope St. Paul VI famously wrote, The history of salvation is, made, is being accomplished in the midst of the history of the world. This is what we see in today's Gospel passage, the convergence between human history and salvation history, between man as a subject of time and God who is the master of time. St. Luke provides us with a list of historical and political luminaries at that material point in time, teasing the reader to think that he is about to provide us with another count of human mystery, history, world history. But then the evangelist swiftly shifts our attention to a seeming nobody. John, son of Zechariah, whose ministry and teaching now provides us with the foundation for the climax of salvation history, the coming of the Messiah. The reason why St. Luke weaves both threads into his narrative is to show us that a story of salvation history does not take place in a vacuum as something totally separated from human history. But as St. Paul VI asserts, the history of salvation is being accomplished in the midst of the history of the world. God, who is not bound by time and space, chooses to enter our time and space at this very moment and in this very spot the unnamed wilderness in an insignificant part of the Roman Empire, away from the centers of power and influence. But the mention of these historical political figures also wishes to establish a context for St. John's preaching and ministry, which will subsequently lead to that of Jesus. This opening verse sets the scene for a world that has gone awry, a world where God's people lived as a conquered people in their own line, land, and where those in power would crucify the one God sent to save the world. The first verse sets forth a world ruled from Rome and rife with sin. In this world gone wrong, the word of God comes, came to not only to any of these political figures, 
who often claim divine election to support their claim for legitimacy and authority. But to John the Baptist, who went through the whole Jordan district proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Notice that John was not calling for a political revolution or instigating his followers to start an insurrection. What was far more needed was a spiritual revolution. We often blame our politicians for the problems we face in our country. We blame our parents for the influence they had in our upbringing. We blame the school system for the defective education that we have received. And finally, we blame the church for her sanctimonious values and a pension for making us feel guilty. But the real problem often evades us, especially when we can't put our finger on it. Our world is falling apart and we cannot repair it until we honestly acknowledge the problem. The fact of the matter is that the root cause of the problems in our world is sin. Sin is spoken of in Genesis chapter 4 as something that is crouching at our door desiring to consume us, and we are told that we must rule over it. Instead, we have allowed sin to rule over us. And so the ministry of calling God's people to repent is at the heart of John the Baptist's ministry. And he called on people not just to give lip repentance, lip service to repentance, but to give life repentance, to show the evidence of real gospel repentance by the way they lived, nothing short of a massive spiritual re-engineering and death construction. St. Luke tells the reader that the ministry of St. John calling the people to repentance is the fulfillment of the prophecy of Isaiah. Isaiah's prophecy has in mind building up a great road for the arrival of a majestic king. The idea is to fill in the holes and knock down the hills that are in the way. And this idea is taken from the practice of Eastern monarchs, who whenever they entered upon an expedition or took a journey through a desert country, sent harbingers before them to prepare all things for their passage, and pioneers to open the passes, to level the ways and to remove all impediments. The returning victorious king deserves a smooth highway, not some dirt road cutting through treacherous terrain. The idea of preparing the way of the Lord is therefore a word picture because the real preparation must take place in our hearts. Building a road is very much like pre the preparation God must do in our hearts. To flatten the mountains, fill in valleys is no easy task. Likewise, to remove the obstacles of sin from our hearts is not something which demands little effort on our part. Both enterprises are costly. Both come at great effort. They both must deal with many different problems and environments, and they both take an expert engineer to clear the path of obstacles. God is that expert engineer whom you must allow into your heart. What a contrast this vision of the construction of a great highway is to the voice of the John of the John the Baptist crying in the wilderness, who announces its coming fulfillment. 
What a contrast it is to that scene of a helpless infant lying in a manger, which is the focus of the great feast we prepare to celebrate during this Advent season. Other political rulers and celebrities of our modern times may occupy the front covers and headlines of our news, and yet we know that it is not to them, but that helpless infant whose John's voice heralds is the salvation of God, which all men shall see, the one in whom this prophecy is fulfilled. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.